0: Thank you for being here. I am Emma, I'm the CEO of WebDM, and today we have longtime bestie of WebDM, designer, producer, everythingist, the indomitable Daisy Grant.
1: It's thank uh, you. My pleasure to be here, as often introduced. I'm the girl of the hour, the girl with the power, the hit maker, the record breaker, the greatest attraction in gaming today.
0: Woo! We got the thing that you do that's kind of like wrestling. I'm so excited. <laughs> that I thing don't know is what you call it. It's like, it's I don't a promo. know. Yeah? Is it have anything yeah. to do with kayfabe? I don't know. That's <laughs> the only wrestling term I know.
1: <laughs> Everything in my life has to do with kayfabe in one way or another. And for those of you in the audience that aren't familiar with the term, it's individuals acting as if a falsehood is true. And uh, it's an applicable principle to science, to politics, to um, uh, performance. And in the context of wrestling, everyone involved knows that it is the semblance of an athletic competition in physical combat. But it is, in fact, uh, predetermined, scripted, performative art. Right on. That we act as if it is true.
0: Mm-hmm. Kind of like role-playing. So...
1: <laughs> yes
0: so I'm get my into friendship with the
1: following personalities first no i'm just kidding
0: <laughs> i'm gonna get into the questions viewers if you don't know if you haven't intuited at this point me and daisy are friends and pass. up to shenanigans frequently um, so this might be a less focused interview but a significant one nevertheless i want to get into our first question You've been designing games since you were a literal child, but that many. People, is, I invented it. You did. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. But most people watching probably got to know you through streaming in actual place. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering what is it that attracted and inspired you when you first saw them, and like, what did you want to do in that space?
1: So. In full transparency, my original uh, imperative for getting involved in actual play was to sell books. Mm-hmm. I was designing a campaign setting and uh, I felt the best way to get sales was to get on large streams. And this would have been like 2016 ish, 2015 ish, to get on streams and get the product out there and get people playing. Likewise, um, my personal twitch stream uh which began in 2012. i used it as kind of a living playtest, where i would design games on stream and then i'd bring in blind playtesters, essentially people play testing it without ever having seen the product before the adventure and then we would play it and then we would get immediate feedback in front of an audience so it was instructive so uh that was sort of the initial imperative but what i started to enjoy doing is i learned that there was the ability to engage an audience on a level that i hadn't since doing like say stand-up comedy or interactive improv theater or things like that um and so i i enjoyed that mechanism of it that attribute
0: yeah artistic expression combined with like Visibility for yourself to write books. So I'm curious. There's been talk recently about the general financial viability of actual place, um, specifically from people who are sponsors who are talking about whether or not it's worth their while to do. And this is something that I know that we've talked about before ourselves. It's something that I think about a lot, given that we did so many streams together and we did sponsored ones, and a lot of them really worked. Um, I'm worried. Or I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm um, worried people will want to sponsor us and we'll have to play games again. Have to play games. I'm I'm curious, like what do you think about sort of the discussion at hand right now, considering that you're such you're such an early adopter in a lot of ways, and you've been making it work. You're making it work for years.
1: Yeah. And there's a few points to it that I think are really important. Mm-hmm. The first is to figure out what you are looking for as a broadcaster as a streamer as a media producer and what you need the second is to identify what the needs of a sponsor are what's important to them what are they looking for um, and have an intake question list uh, when targeting uh, sponsors or potential sponsors and to find a good fit. And then I think if you can just articulate to them what's important to you Mm -hmm. what's important to them, you can come to terms and then come to an agreement that is mutually beneficial for both parties. For example, um, an agreement that rewards both sides when uh, performance is going well. Now, I think in my situation, most of the sponsorships that engage me, are simply looking they're not looking for product sales as their number one goal Mm -hmm. metric or kpi they're looking for um they're trying to produce media of people actually playing and enjoying their product Mm -hmm. and so uh in order to play and enjoy a product you need someone that can learn it and not only that teach it to other people so i'm often brought in uh, using my background as an instructional designer, and I'm able to find out what their game's about and how to express that through uh, a streaming platform. Mm-hmm. Likewise, um, there's products out there that have been said uh, would be unstreamable, and so I like to take up a challenge for a potential sponsor and show them that their game can exist in electronic format and be produced over uh, a live broadcast or a pre-recorded broadcast. So. I I think in those situations uh, I'm typically used as a customer education mechanism. And so um, as far as finances, it's all gonna be relative and different Mm -hmm. for every partnership and every organization. Um, Is it viable? Absolutely. We have uh, an enormous amount of evidence that uh, broadcasts, of games are useful and beneficial it's why game companies both digital and physical invest an enormous amount of resources into uh influencer marketing kols that's key opinion leaders Mm -hmm. and and brand building through that with that said i don't think every company has thought about their audience persona Mm -hmm. but just i'll say it transparent they don't know who their audience is necessarily Which makes it more difficult to market or find individuals that would best advocate, represent, and express their game. So
0: Yeah. yeah. So if if you're a person who's looking, if say you're looking to sponsor something. Okay. What I mean just imagine that you are. What kinds of things are you looking for as your KPIs? Are you looking for that, you know, five to one return? Are you looking for a 10 to 1 return? Those are numbers I would I would I wouldn't look for
1: financial ROI at yeah. all in in my products. Um I assume my product's going to do most of its sales through its initial like pre-launch. We're going to have extremely evocative artwork in strong messaging as well as media assets produced that are going to lead to a massively successful say, crowdfunding campaign or product launch, like on launch day, like we're probably going to see our biggest return off of uh, that launch. What I would look for are people that align with uh, what I might call the overtone of the game, who would be a good Mm -hmm. brand ambassador, who is the type of individual I think would represent uh, this product very well think about uh all kinds of brand marketing. I mean Michael Jordan's as well known for wearing Hanes, drinking Gatorade and wearing Nike's as he is for being the greatest basketball player that ever lived. Um it, we won't have that debate on this call and, uh, but uh <laughs> this is I didn't group to even know with. he did those things. Yeah, but uh right. <laughs> so um there's I I'd be looking essentially for uh brand ambassadors and then I think as far as seeing revenue, I think uh, that'll come over time. Um, but you know, I, I'd really want someone who who just really aligns with like the spirit of what I'm doing, uh, what I'm putting forth, and what I'm putting out there. I think uh, the artists who inspire my work, I, many of them have you know passed on, like you know Jim Henson, David Bowie, etc. Mm-hmm. I could envision these people engaging with my products, though. Like, so it's like I would want to engage people that kind of capture the spirit so you know uh, a lot of people who liked the book grim world wrote Mm -hmm. poems about the various locations in it they recorded music about Mm -hmm. it you know and and uh so those were my people they weren't just you know people who played the game they're people that said you know there's you know there's there's a certain little artistry here and uh yeah so i think what i would look for is essentially who would be a good ambassador for the brand and then uh likewise those people will have their own communities and they you know those communities will buy into uh the product and um as far as what that brand ambassador would be looking for Mm -hmm. we just have to have that conversation many people are like well i need i need money to live on or uh I need product to give to my community, or mm-hmm. I need prizes to give to my community, or I would like my uh, I would like my uh, convention costs covered for a year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then we can figure it out. You know.
0: Gotcha. Um, how viable do you think it is to really make money in APs at this point as a streamer? Um,
1: It depends on the streamer. So here's what I would say. It's not viable unless you've asked yourself some questions. In other words, Mm -hmm. have you broken down the business model of a professional streamer? Whether Mm -hmm. it's AP or video games or anything, there's an actual model. Typically, it combines two elements, the elements of skill and entertainment. You watch people that are good at something as well as people that are entertaining. And then are you uh, looking at all the different uh potential revenue streams from selling your own merch uh to the sponsorships to donations um having an online store uh and really thinking about like i know people that have done very well and you know you know i've paid enough taxes on the money that i've made from ap that i'm like yeah if i uh, had no family and i lived uh you know in, in, in a different environment i i could sustain myself on ap money with that said, um, I've also put in ten years of Twitch broadcasting. By this point, I've attended, you know, roughly a hundred conventions, comic mm-hmm. conventions, game conventions. Um, I've I've worked hard to build an online presence, and so it's it's viable because of uh, the engine that's running it. With that said, um, I think most people, including those that do this at the various, very top of it often don't use it as their only revenue stream they have other yeah. jobs other mm-hmm. gigs and uh it's one aspect as someone asked me that today they said well, do do you consider yourself a player a performer is it a hobby is it a career i said i view myself as like a semi-retired part-time professional wrestler <laughs> like i get invited to things and i get money for the performance and uh and that's that's that but it's not my sole income and it's definitely not a career it's just something that adds to my career
0: yeah is it something that you do if there wasn't any money involved
1: i've done that for years and i would yeah yeah like it it really depends on what my goals are as well so um first off uh i'm doing it for the love of the game um Mm -hmm. A good example is this um professional basketball players often play in the olympic games um which is sometimes difficult to persuade someone to play the the thing they do best in the world they are best Mm -hmm. at playing that game and to convince them to do it for free so what i have to ask myself is what are the stakes and what's the reason you know it might be that uh we're raising money for charity it might be a game with good friends um that's oftentimes what people say it's like well i want to play with these people you know i i just want to play you know and this happens to be a production as well uh so for me i think for the love of the game uh money is just a terrible motivator when it comes to like artistic endeavors anyways like it's you're not necessarily going to make great art if money is your motivation um I I there's been statistics there's there's been different uh not statistics but experiments done on that uh money as a motivator versus uh passion as a motivator.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in terms of good games with good times, I want to talk about one of my favorite characters, which is Gildan from the land between two rivers.
1: I thought you said oh, (laughs) good times. gildan was bad times. Yeah, let's talk about Gildan.
0: Yeah, because he's one. Gilden's interesting because we probably get more comments about Gilden than we do any other character on you know four or five years of streamed AP content over on WebDM plays, which you can check out on YouTube right now. Um, and so, yeah, how did you come up with Gildan Goblin Cleric? So,
1: initially, there's there's a few things. So mechanically i know jim davis was familiar with the gods and goddesses supplement and we could do this sort of like uh strange kick cleric uh baba yaga cleric Mm -hmm. um this puppet cleric you know this um but gildan was really based on my five-year-old son um you know i had a five-year-old and i would just watch him interact with the world and i was like i want to be that in a game where i just go around kind of a temper tantrum but he had (laughs) um there was also kind of a sensitive side too like he was an abandoned child he um he uh was a troublemaker we need to talk about that because my son Mm -hmm. is not a troublemaker you know he was temperamental at the time and you know he had his own way of viewing the world actually kind of a sweetness um but i did steve martin's master class and performance and he said when developing a persona and Gildan being the persona. He said, um, either take your best quality or your worst quality and amplify it by a hundred. Yeah. So with yeah. Gildan, I was like, let's take my absolute worst qualities <laughs> and amplify it by a hundred. And that's where, and that's often very interesting um, mm-hmm. for people and um, he was very good at getting reactions and uh, he was very fun. To, for jim davis to do weird things too he's been featured as a character in like five supplements like as an npc he's just kind of around in these random rpg books really and um yes yes and um and uh i've been recognized at convention i was recognized at a target checking out they're like gildan <laughs> it's just like oh in the flesh yes uh so gildan has has led to me being uh, anyone who notices me, uh, it tends to be that trouble troublemaking character. So, Gildan was a lot of fun, and um, it, it was getting to the point, too, where I was having private conversations with other players where I'm like, I need one of you to kill him because this is getting out of control. Who, which of you is it going to be? And they're like, we're telling the truth. We've looked at your character sheet. We're not, we don't know if we can kill you. We've talked about it before you came to us. They are like, we're going to have to kill Gilden. And they're like, well, let's take a look at these sheets. Oh. Yep. Mm, can't be critted. Everything seems to do half damage, including psychic. What is this? No, and like <laughs> they're like you're a cleric that took absolutely no healing spells. I was like, no ideal damage, <laughs> and I resisted.
0: So, so that leads me to I want to talk a bit about your play style and how you interact with the other players, and also how in that game you you interacted with Jim. Because I'll be honest, most of our questions are why does Jim let Gildan do that all the time? <laughs> and I, to me it's a ridiculous jim, for, question
1: well but. i think i think jim's very much that kind of player too like when we yeah. started very first episode jim said you always need a troublemaker you always need a loose cannon you always need someone who's going to make me surprised um um and with that i think part of it too because i i've seen people and they, they watch the streams and they talk about it and they they think there might even be like an adversarialness or an antagonism with jim Mm-mm. Jim is laughing almost every time I talk. Yep. Like, I recently re-watched... And that's the thing, too. Like, if you go on WebDM's Twitch channel and you look at, like, the clips, almost like the top 20 clips are me playing Gildan, most mm-hmm. viewed. And so, <laughs> that's not a brag either, and it's just most of the time, it's like, you see Jim, he says something, then he looks a little concerned, then I say something and he busts out laughing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, largely, it was just... um i knew jim would have so much fun with just a misbehaving child Mm -hmm. in the game and um i mean i've played games with jim where he's like played a talking cat and stuff like that like he he likes being weird things too and so he He enjoys troublemaking um and he and i also most people don't know uh we often would privately message each other behind the scenes where I would let him know I was going to do something ridiculous and ask him if it's okay. And he's like, yes, please. Uh, or like, and this is part of it because it's an AP and it, but it's also performance and there's an audience. Like I'd let him know. I'd be like, the audience is dead tonight. No one's chatting. No one's doing anything. Can I just mess things up? Mm -hmm. Because it'll get people talking and reacting
0: at least.
1: And he'd be like, yes, please do your thing.
0: (laughs) How do you, how do you balance out being a troublemaker with the other players? Because I always like I want to be the troublemaker, and then I, I'm anxious, and I sort of often demure from that kind of role. So how do you how do you balance it? So it takes a
1: couple things. First, trust. So you have to play with people you trust. Mm-hmm. Two, you have to you can make trouble, but don't hog the spotlight. Share the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And uh, three earn your comeuppance and accept it when it happens. Mm-hmm. Like um, there's been times I've said ridiculous things on streams and I've let the other players berate me while I'm laughing. And then they start laughing and then they dig into me a little more and Then we're all laughing because it's, 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 uh, I I've earned, uh, I've earned my stripes, so to speak, you know, they've, they've hit me with, uh, with, the uh, every lashing that I've, I've deserved, uh, So with that said though, there's also times I've gotten away with it and I've gotten away with it too often. And I know that's when there's a problem Mm -hmm. and I usually have to have a conversation where it's like, don't let me get away with all this stuff, like put your foot down. Like, (laughs) because we need to see some kind of resistance. Otherwise people are gonna, you know, that they're gonna think that like, I mean the hashtag goblin bully, like they're like gilded as a goblin bully. And like, that was a hashtag for a while on Twitter. Goblin yeah. Bully, um, <laughs> as well as Good Girls Against Grant, which was another hashtag that was on Twitter for a while. Oh, I that, forgot about that one. Yep, 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 yep. So old Daisy Grant now. But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, these are the things, but i let everyone know you have to earn, uh, you have to accept the come up and you should rally people. That's a whole other thing too. Like the whole point of being a troublemaker or mm-hmm. a heel or a a, a a bad guy or a bad girl is to rally a fan base together against you so everyone celebrates when your inevitable downfall comes. Mm-hmm. Like, Gildon was placed on a comet that's orbiting the planet. Um, he was plucked by Baba Yaga out of the land between two rivers, placed on a comet, and he has to watch the cosmos. That's what Jim Davis did to that character, and it was a very fitting end. Um, but is it an end? And then, like, he told me too, he goes, oh, no, like, uh, yeah, he's like, uh, Gildan was supposed to be doing stuff, and then they checked the comment one day, and he wasn't there. And if you read, uh, like, the uh, Epic Legacy Campaign Codex by 2C Gaming, mm-hmm. hashtag not sponsored, Gildan is in Nexus. In fact, he's the mayor of one of the districts. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's on the council, and they're like, why? And they're like, they decided a little shitty goblin should be the mayor because <laughs> he can be controlled and manipulated um
0: <laughs> you talk a lot about sort of rallying the audience i'm curious if that to you includes when you're just playing in private and yep. your audience is the other players mm, depending on the players
1: mm-hmm. um some players in fact i think it was ethan hudgens super robot bear on twitter said recently he's because i noticed something um we're playing the yellow king rpg by pelgrine press designed by robin laws and i've noticed like my character is going to bring about like probably the end of the world (laughs) and then ethan goes and none of you had done any of the things to get rid of all these hits all these bad things like your whole job was doing i said ethan i started the session first thing i said i had a game plan i listed out five points to to beat all those things he goes and within 30 minutes, you're bringing about the end of the world. He goes, "I," and I go, well, you you pitched these options to fix it. He said, I knew exactly what I was doing. And I knew you were the player that would take the bait of bringing about the end of the world. Even though you had this game plan to like fix it all. Because you're also that player. You've given everyone the game plan to fix the world. Mm-hmm. You're also the one that's going to bring about the end of it. And you, you've done that. And so, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so so as far as like the, the shenanigans in the audience like i like to entertain people in private games but also uh the style's a little different when i play mm-hmm. for an audience i like to do you know don't try this at home you know not you know not safe you know don't put these items in your game don't put these monsters in your game it's just too dangerous mm-hmm. um you know it's D on steroids you know it's amplified or any game it's intensified and that's because uh, i think anyone can just play dungeons and dragons so if you're going to watch it and not play what can you do to make it interesting yeah um and i think in the private games like i mean you've played with me it's like Mm -hmm. i want to touch every part of the character sheet i want to get every point of experience possible that i can get i want to take my character all the way through and i play very technically like i'm Mm -hmm. a very technical player you are not on stream um. What does the book say about this? That am I doing exactly what the book says? And if I'm not doing exactly what the book says, I'm gonna cry. Um. So I've never me.
0: seen you cry about about that. For the record, I don't uh,
1: think. Well, not but, on, not a, not in front of people. In my bathtub <laughs> with candles and Bon Jovi playing. Oh,
0: you set the scene. Yes. yes
1: Are weeping supply.
0: about mechanical interpretation? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <I> like, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All right, let's talk about your design work. Uh huh. Um, So, you did a ton of freelance work. You continue to. Um, At some point, point you were doing freelance work and you decided, I'm going to write a book.
1: Yeah, so it kind of goes back to even the early days of AP. So, I lost all the rights to all my IP, but I got them back eventually. Mm -hmm. And then a publisher came to me and said, We'd like to do a book with you. Mm -hmm. And so I made the decision to do a book with them and um uh i as soon as i signed that deal i ran into my friend james Intercaso, and tricasso i said i got a book deal he goes that's the next year of your life and i was like i i do have a... okay yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> what made you just dis- was it just like like stars aligning somebody asked you to and you got the rights back that made you feel like you were ready for it or what i trained for two years
1: and i trained it's not like i'm like i can write a book and anyone can do this like yeah i i did like three design certifications or you know you get a certificate at the end now that you're a certified designer Mm -hmm. you know i I did a number of master classes i did workshops i reached out to people in the industry and i trained hard Mm -hmm. um and it's it's one of those things where Um, The publisher said, I showed that I was very good at designing things, you know, either I'll give an example for the audience, designing a monster, designing Mm -hmm. a magic item, designing a spell. Um, Then I demonstrated that I was good at designing scenarios, you know, things like encounters. Um, Then I demonstrated uh, that uh, uh, I had a lot of ideas mechanically. Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons i wanted to do the book is uh i talk about this concept a lot the concept of the local maxima when you're on the slope of the hill and you're getting close to the top of the hill but you see a much higher hill in the distance Mm -hmm. i was like i think i can take some of these things to up there if i make some radical changes uh to the way we're looking at the system and so i want to do that thing and so that's what i did and so um I always had a goal of doing a book. And so I met the goal uh, and it was work to get there.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious, you're leading me to my next question, which is you introduce a lot of different sort of concepts and systems in Grimworld. Mm -hmm. Maybe
1: not systems, but you know, I do that. There's eight new mechanical systems,
0: subsystems, subsystems. So like you've got the narrator, you've got story arcs, you've got your treatment of, Player races, a lot of things are going on in this book. And I'm mm-hmm. what kind of play experiences were you trying to create when you wrote it?
1: Um whimsical ones. Yeah. You know, I wanted people to play games and have kind of a sense of uh wonderment. I wanted them to feel maybe what they like, like I grew up watching things like Jim Henson's storyteller. So cool. And I want them, yeah, I want them to walk away and be like, ah, oh, that flavor of DD right there had you know mm-hmm. brings me back to like my childhood there's kind of like this freedom of expression and that's why I like when i designed my own character creation system i was like i want it to be like you're in the jim henson creature workshop and like a muppeteer is like hey if you were making a, a monster today how would you put it together what eyes would you pick you know mm-hmm. how would you want it to move and and uh, yeah i i want people to feel that and i also think by going through uh the steps um you really get a feel for the character I think there's different ways to look at it it's same like when I design monsters it's like before I I don't just like write a paragraph like I watch things that inspire the monster and then I get up and I move like the monster for example uh I did one recently and it was um the descriptions that I end up writing were inspired by watching like Mike Tyson in 1985 before a boxing match just the way he kind of moved and the way his eyes locked onto the opponent and then i found myself up and moving like that and next thing you know i I really felt like i was the monster and so um i used to do that back when i was an animator too like i do a lot of those kinds of exercises to just get a feel for the movement and the motion and same with grim world is it's like there's this overtone of uh uh someone told me this so there's a lot of grim dark fantasy but grim world is grim bright fantasy Mm -hmm. like this is hope you know this is a very hopeful thing um and also it, there's this whole aside you know conversation about it where it's like you know um at the end of the day you know it's it's kind of like my statement that the world can be a dark scary awful place but like it can also be a very good place um there's 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 an overall feeling of optimism uh in the
0: work absolutely i love that about it so what, what's next for you in game design? Because I know you do some for your your day job. Um, I do. <laughs> I, and I doing... game
1: design every day for digital games, which is yeah. a different animal.
0: Different, completely different. But you're still doing a lot of freelance work. You've stepped away from AP to a certain extent. Yes. Semi-retired no. is what you said.
1: Yeah, but I have a big sponsored show coming up in the next, like, month. Ooh. Yeah. Fancy. Which will tease. Like... Um, It's sponsored by a game company. Mm -hmm. They're putting good money into it. Um, The cast will be uh, many recognizable faces, and um, it's going to be a good time. Uh, It's going to be a fun game, and it will be in fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons. but as far as like what's next in design, not counting the day job, because like in the day job it will be like, oh, I'm doing comparative analysis of 2D versus 3D gaming cartography interfaces, because I work in digital games right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's what I'm doing. It's like, yeah, oh, the 3D and it occludes, and uh, you know, you can't always measure the distances. And when you have a map, the most important thing is roughly the size of things, and then the spatial relationship of the distance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know that's that's my day job, and you talk like that the entire time. Oh, I'm not allowed to talk. They just say, "Is it done, monkey?" I go, "You shouldn't call me monkey. That dehumanizes me." They go, "Shut up, monkey." And then they slap me because it, I, I'm sorry. Wow, I, I'm not going to throw any wow. companies out of us. I was going to say I okay? don't work for, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, Jeez. no. So the next thing is, um, uh, I'm not going to say the publisher, but I'm doing a lot of creature design work, mm-hmm. um and i've i've done a few uh and they've asked me to do more and uh it'll be a special creature uh that uh i was handpicked for so awesome i'll do that and yeah. i'll have a lot of fun and it's based on some of my past work as a back when i was head writer at a comic company um i i did a lot of uh, spooky monsters and stuff like that and so they had one that happened to relate to some of my past work
0: cool is there there anything like big picture like bucket list that you haven't done yet that you want to do
1: like in my life in general or in games
0: well like in games if you want to do your life in general we can talk afterwards
1: well yeah but with (laughs) games i I don't think i have any bucket list thing like yeah you know rpg sports we played for like eight thousand people so that's a big show Um, there's the blood
0: hurricane i was robbed
1: you were robbed and I robbed you. Um, (laughs) uh, but, but, uh, you know, (laughs) I've designed books, you know, been credited on over 30 titles. I've already been, I've been able to work with my heroes. Mm -hmm. I've had my heroes stick up for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've played with all my friends. I've done all the game systems that people said you couldn't stream it like invisible sun and, you know, Mm -hmm. Torg, uh, Shout out to Rudy Basso for running TORG for us. Uh, yeah. There were people that said they didn't think it could be streamed and what well, we did it. And because it's got a lot of moving parts. Um, and uh, you know, I've worked with over like 20 companies as a media representative and that's not an exaggerated number. You know, it's like from yeah. world 20 to Ulysses Spieler to a cook games, so just Vorpal board. I've worked with all kinds of them. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I've, I've, there's not really a, Bucket list item, and I'd say that's kind of the difference. The way I look at it is there is no end game, there is no big picture. It's my game, uh, my I just want to persist in the space. It's like I want to mm-hmm. keep going. And there was a tweet recently where someone was like, Do you think you'll still be gaming in your 30s and 40s? Oh, god, like, I I saw that. 35. yeah, but it's like I thought of the end of the musketeer novels, and d'Artagnan's like very old. He's riding a horse, and two young soldiers go. D'Artagnan rides like a very young person. And uh, when I ran a game at my first convention ever, like the first time I DM'd at a convention, like this like 70-year-old man came in out of nowhere. He wasn't with anybody. He just got this big old smile, and he kind of looked around, and he went up to the table, shook hands with a guy, sat down, pulled out dice, and started playing. I was like, I want to be like that guy who's just yeah. like, y'all are gaming in here. Can I play? And, you know, no one was like, away, old version. They'll just, like, I'll come in and people be like, Daisy still has got it, you know, after all these years. So. Totally.
0: I, I want to go back to what you talked about before, which is that you've had the ability to work with lots of different organizations and lots of different people. Yes. Um, and I feel like that's one of, like, you have a lot of strengths that lend themselves so well to what what you do in RPGs, but networking is one of them and finding those opportunities. And I was wondering, cause we do have a lot of people watch this show who are kind of like, should I get into this or not? And if I do, how do I do it? What advice do you have for finding those moments of connection?
1: Uh, first off, be yourself mm-hmm. too. Uh, don't think about, uh, don't think about what you want out of anything but if i think of you are yourself and you're genuine and you're not thinking about what the next step is i think it's most important to just sort of think about genuine relationships like mm-hmm. uh you know it, it it's such a strange thing and you know there's people they're very networky and they're social climbers and uh that's that's what that's their game but that mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily my game like i'll i'll give an example like uh, It might have been like gen con 2014 or something like it was a long time ago um and i saw a a tweet that you know i'll use james and tercoso as an example you know we're friends now but it's just like he's like hey i'm getting ready to leave the convention soon if anyone wants to say hi i'm leaving and i just like i went up and said hi you know you shook his hand um it's just like hey thanks for always saying nice things about don't split the podcast network on uh like it was somewhere around that time he's just like for you know for always saying nice things you know same Mm -hmm. with a sly flourish you know like uh sly he was just like hey you know um i'm working on something do you want to see it you know and he was writing a new book and like but I think it's just about being genuine, and that's. Uh, and I also try to tell people what I appreciate about them in a genuine manner. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'd say is, and I know there's a temptation to do it, and uh, certainly I think if, if you're a human being, you're going to form opinions. Um, you might notice that these things, like a group of people get together and they start like putting down a person, usually a person who's not there. And I'm going to talk about this because I think it's important. Okay. Don't be that person.
0: Who the has person those The person they're talking about.
1: Oh. Okay. Well, and if the, if you are the person they're talking about, um, don't network with those people because they're not worth your time. But it, yeah. it's, you know, it, mm-hmm. I, I would say, but also in some of those moments, and maybe it costs you a friendship or something too, depending on the circumstance and like the weight of the crime, you know, I like to be the person that says something nice about the person they're putting down. They're like, oh, that person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, that person stinks. They raise hundred fifty thousand dollars for charity you know and they've been doing this for a long time and you know they've they're not a, a bad human so i i think that's the thing too it's like uh don't be part of a clique be an individual be like a heroic individual you know just like get out there and um uh, you know you know really for the love of the game and i'd say that's kind of the other thing with me that's the other side of it like uh I'm just like that person that gets passed from company to company, but I I, I'm generally friends. Like most of the time, I don't get passed from company to company. They approach me and like we talk, Mm -hmm. and then I just try to be real, like no fakeness. That's that's the real thing too. I think being authentic. That's that's the advice I'd say. Uh, And you know what? If you're not like a superstar and you don't look like a million dollars, like that's fine. Like though that's not essential to be successful in games. Mm -hmm. You know, I think. I think uh, also here's the other thing I'd say, be wary of what you can and you can't complete. You might want to write for a big publisher, but if you can't finish your writing assignments, maybe you shouldn't be a writer or a designer. Like if you can't finish things, but you might have something else. Um, you know, A friend once told me there's a lot of different ways to make money in the game industry. Mm-hmm. Cause I wasn't a designer at the time, but there's a lot of different ways to make money. So instead of doing design gigs, I did, uh, like I, I did reviews. Um, I played games on stream. Um, I uh, would do artistic interpretations of things in games, like hey, I made some artwork about the game. Mm-hmm. And you know, so there's a lot of different ways to make money in games as well. So figure yeah. out what you
0: can and can't do. That's a big, and that's a big reason why I wanted to do this show was to kind of get into what it's like in in the biz and and also the variability. Of things that you can do. I know for me, you know, we started out doing YouTube and I was doing social media for WebDM and my role expanded and now I'm
1: now the CEO. I'm (laughs) I'm not just the president. Common
0: common track. Common track there from social media for your your husband's and friends YouTube channel to CEO business. But I'm trying on doing this and writing and designing that I've actually found i really really like and it's well, I've said for years thing. you could be a designer haven't i said for years i thought you're a good designer yep. you have and all the time i was like no uh-huh, uh-huh. it's fun now who's
1: now he's right <laughs> there's a lot to
0: think about it's way more fun than dealing with like business taxes i love it uh-huh. <laughs> all right I have, I have a personal question and then we're gonna wrap yeah, it up
1: i have a personal answer
0: okay we played a lot of games together but why are your characters so mean to my characters when we play games together. I'm so
1: glad you asked this question today <laughs> and you asked it in that manner. Um there's uh, there's us the people, then there's our characters. Yep. Uh the first scenario I'll say is a lot of your characters are very punchable. We'll use that as a metaphorical. You play a lot of trash bag individuals. A lot of people, a lot of flawed human beings or human-like characters Yes, um, who uh, are representative (laughs) of the very worst parts of society and (laughs) the world at large. Thank you. It's a a
0: high compliment. I appreciate it.
1: Someone can't let them get away with that. (laughs) You had a familiar called Elon Muskrat. I did. Shout out to all the Elon Actually, it, was, but, like,
0: it was Elon musk if not Elon
1: Muskrat. With that said, um, what we're doing when we play games is we also have our play fighting. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favorite clips is from when you and I were in the show, uh, The Fairest of the Seasons. Mm-hmm. And our characters are having a very difficult, challenging, brutal conversation.
0: Yeah, we were but set up in hear- that game to oppose each other from the beginning
1: and they then can't, you like, could, can't. yes and then you could hear us as players laughing and being kind to each other mm-hmm. while we eviscerated each other as characters at a county um, fair at a county fair and <laughs> um and even in the uh uh the breath of the fall campaign boz mm-hmm. was very mean to your uh Zenith Uh, Danz, Zenith dan's this garbage man of a character. Not to put down any garbage man, he was made of a literal garbage can. He wasn't like a a a waste management worker.
0: He was a down on his luck ex police officer.
1: I still remember the day I called him coward. So it, (laughs) so I think what we do is we kind of get to explore this almost like Jungian psychology, this shadow side, this shadow self where you and i who are friends Mm -hmm. um get to have people who are ridiculously cruel to each other in the manner that peanuts characters are cruel to each other like lucy is mean to charlie brown and you Mm -hmm. play charlie brown and i play lucy and i will always pull the football away there is no time you will ever hit the football and the reason for that is a lot of our games together have been in front of audiences mm-hmm. however even if there is no audience i yep. find myself still being me to you from years of training <laughs> because we're still friends there doesn't need to be an audience it's like that nope, show must go
0: on yeah sometimes it could be the most fun thing because it never ever 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 gets a, a smidgen towards personal at all no, not it's not at all with our characters and I think
1: it's because we trust each other, and we can we can talk about. It. And it's also fun because it's also really the most memorable moments in a lot of those games was just the character being mean. And uh, I noticed I do it with two people. I do it with you and uh, Colin Belkin at the Phantom Roll Booth. So oh, like, yeah, yeah. you are the two people. Does it matter the system? <laughs> I will pick on. Your I character. feel
0: I feel like we I feel like Colin may also gravitate towards shitbag characters. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I won't go through all of them. They're the worst. They're right <laughs> up. They're at least parallel to yours. So I'll say this: your characters represent the worst of society. Collins represents the worst of an individual. So <laughs> as, as as shitty as a person can be on their own without any other environment, everything mm-hmm. about it. So, but and the best part is there if you watch on WebDM plays there's an episode of the dark Eye that i run for you and colin and mm-hmm. poor Sharong's just there watching your two characters get it from me uh, although i want to say you two weren't picked on in that session it's actually a pretty good episode so it's pretty good yeah
0: yeah yeah there's 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 ortlieb is is flawless there's no flaws no flaws at all very rich That's all right it can be got to play more games together soon because it's been we a did. minute and while we play those games i'm curious what would your top three snacks be when you play games
1: top three snacks when i play games cheese doodles shrimp Fri- chips what yeah shrimp chips you get what them from like the asian chips? food store i've never of the those. international market go to a wegman's they'll have them there um and also, I would say uh, tortillas and salsa. Mrs. Renfro's ghost pepper salsa. Oh, yeah, Yeah. So that's Get what I do. Get you in trouble. Not me. <laughs> I keep quiet.
0: Right on. <laughs> Classic snacks. Well, thank you, Daisy. This was a blast. Everybody, check out Daisy. Where do you want people to check you out on Daisy?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Um, uh, if you see me at Gen Con in August say hi yeah. um uh, if or any game convention um very approachable um I'll probably say nice to meet you and then walk off uh but right. uh you can find me on the Twitters at a wise artist um mm-hmm. and you can find me on Instagram uh Daisy darling Grant um and I appear here and there on Twitch on a variety of channels Uh, the best place to figure out where I'm going to be is to check my Twitter.
0: Right on, thank you so much. Again, I am Emma, I'm the CEO of WebDM. If you are here, then you have already discovered some of our content, go ahead and discover more of it on YouTube, on Twitch, and on any podcasting app, you can get a transcript of this very thing anywhere. Just look for WebDM Talks. Thanks everybody, see you next week.